Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A powerful substance that we should hold dear in our hearts and exercise with our lives is the substance of faith. You know, faith is the only substance that God is pleased with. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, uh, we might do a lot of good things in life, and we might love God, we might be faithful to God, we might use our talents for him, and uh, we might have a good heart, we might have some good works helping out another, we might have a good testimony uh, around the uh, people that we know, uh, but without faith, those things will not please God. You know, we need to love God with faith. We need to serve God with faith. We need to be faithful to God with faith. We need to use our skills and talents and all the gifts that he has given us by faith. Faith is a substance that God looks for in our lives. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He can only be satisfied with the substance of faith. Think about that this morning. You can do a lot of things in life, but without faith, it did not please God. You might list out many things that you have experienced or you have done in Christ's name, but did you do that in faith? You might, rear, you might be rearing your children this morning, but are you doing it in faith? You might be busy at work, but are you doing it in faith? You might be, be faithful to church and going to church three times a week, but are you doing that in faith? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without the mixture of faith in our daily lives, God would not be pleased. Going back to Hebrews chapter 11, the phrase, but without faith it's possible to please him, is in the context of explaining one man's life. And this man was Enoch. And if you look at the screen with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, the previous verse before verse 6 talks about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. This man never faced a physical death. He just right, went right into heaven. And the Bible says, and was not found. And uh, I'm sure his family was somewhat scared, and maybe uh, the community was thinking, hey, this guy's missing. What happened to him? And maybe they passed out some flyers, and maybe they reported a missing persons report. I'm not sure. And, uh, but something happened to Enoch. He wasn't there anymore. But the Bible is very clear that he was translated. And uh, God knew exactly where Enoch was. Uh, Enoch was in heaven now. It says, because God translated him. You see that? Okay. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Let's say the last phrase together. That he pleased God. So the writer is explaining Enoch's life. And uh, the writer says Enoch was translated. He never saw death. God translated him up to heaven. Because he had this one testimony. He pleased God. Now, how does he please him? He writes in verse 6, 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, you see the context of this? Okay. He's explaining in Enoch's life, Enoch pleased the Lord. How did, he, how did he please the Lord? By having faith. And if you go to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, and uh, uh, it's on the screen, uh, you could go to it if you like, but it's on the screen as well. Look at verse 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he began Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now, compared to other men, he only lived, you know, maybe a quarter of a life. Okay, compared to Methuselah or maybe even Adam. These people live up to like 900 years. And, uh, but Enoch only lived 365 years. In verse 24, let's say this together. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Okay? So we see two testimonies of Enoch. Enoch is not really found uh, 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 too many places in the Bible. I think Jude mentions him as well. And, uh, and if, if you look at Genesis 5.24, the second testimony, okay, I know in order, if you look at the Bible, the first testimony is that Enoch walked with God. But uh, if we are going through this message, we just notice his testimony in Hebrews. Hebrews, that he pleased God. How did he please God? By what? By faith, okay? And then we see in Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 that he was translated because he did what with God? Walk with God. Okay? So let's combine those two testimonies together now. Could we safely say that he walked by faith? He walked with God by faith. God was pleased with Enoch's faith. What did he do with faith? He walked in faith. That's the testimony. So every day, Enoch walked with God. And what kind of walk was this? It was a walk of faith. And God was so pleased that he took Enoch from this life to the next without that. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, uh, all the different characters in the Bible. We think about Daniel. What a great man of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Medigal, great man, Great men of God. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, confronted the greatest king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I'm not going to worship your golden idol. And uh, put us in the fire. That's fine. Are we ready to die? Everything about Joseph, the man who endured, even Job. I mean, great men of God. Moses. There's so many different characters in the Bible we call great. And they are in the great heritage of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But those men, they all face death. There is only two people in the scripture, Elijah and Enoch, who never saw death. God was so pleased with Enoch. Why? Because he walked. By faith. He was so pleased. Enoch, I'm going to just have you come without seeing death. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the standard that we should have in living by faith. Was Enoch just a man, yes or no? Yeah, he was. That means there's hope for us too concerning faith. Enoch was a sinner too. Saved by grace. This is a standard that God has set for us in the scripture. Now, I'm not saying, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, supersedes Jesus Christ. Of course not. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is our God. We worship him. But we see examples in the scriptures for our admonition, for our instruction, for examples. If you want to think about an example of trials, you go to Job, you know. You go to maybe Joseph. And we think about an example of leadership. We go to Moses. Uh, we think about a testimony that is clean and pure and, and, and bold. We think about Daniel. And we think about these examples of people. Not that we put them in a pedestal, worship them, but we see their example that it was possible for them to live for God even though they were sinners and even though they had a worldly situation around them, it was possible because God made it possible for them and they had great faith in the Lord. And as we think about Enoch's case, his testimony of faith was so great that he was translated. And this is a standard of living by faith. And our faith should be an everyday walk like Enoch. Not just sometimes, not just when it's convenient, but we should live by faith and walk by faith every single day of our lives so that he is pleased with us and that we should uh, 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 go to work tomorrow morning and make our living by faith. We should approach our marriage every single day by faith. We should rear our children by faith. We should give and sacrifice by faith. We should serve by faith. We should come to church by faith because without faith it is impossible to please God. So having faith in God is always good. Some people might think you're crazy. Some people might think you're radical. And uh, some people might think that you're weird having faith. Having the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And that uh, you believe in God, and uh, 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 you believe in answer to prayer, and uh, 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 you, you believe in what's going to happen in the future, even though you don't see it. And you have faith in the one who is invisible. And people might think that you're little nuts. But you're living by faith, not to please the world, but to please God. And having faith is always good in God's sight. And God is always pleased with faith. And as we think about faith, which is good and, and which is a wonderful substance that God is pleased with, to everything that is good, I think we could agree that there are always nemesis and hindrance. And when we think about love, there's a nemesis of hate. There's always good and evil. And when we think about faithfulness, okay, and uh, we have unfaithfulness. We think about anything that's good according to Scripture, we're supposed to do. Hey, there's always an other side to it. There's a nemesis, there's hindrance. We talk about diligence, there's slothfulness. To everything that is good, there is evil. And there are nemesis, there are some things that we struggle with that uh, uh, hinders us from propelling forward to do that which is good. And faith has its nemesis. And the great danger and the nemesis of faith is called sight. What we see hinders us from having faith and also have our faith to be shaken at times because we are so always visual. And we always conclude our lives and make decisions concerning based on what we see rather than what we hear according to Scripture and what God wants us to do. 
And we need to recognize his nemesis today. It is a, known as a fact that the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. And, uh, I mean, this is an amazing creation of wonders, how these creatures could jump that high and jump so far. Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in any zoo with a three-foot wall. Isn't that amazing? The animal will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. This creature has... Great ability to jump high, to jump far. But he's not willing to do it. Why? Because it cannot see what is in front of them, what's beyond that wall. So, Ben Pala is stuck in that zoo. And they're trapped in that surrounding. They're simply relying on sight. And many Christians today are trapped just like this Impala. They don't have faith. They just have sight. They won't jump to the unknown. They won't jump to the impossible. They won't jump to the difficult. They won't jump to the unfamiliarity. Because they're just relying on sight. What makes sense? What's good on paper? What makes sense to the world? What makes sense to our friends? What makes sense to our family? So we are shaken in our stand concerning faith. Because we rely on sight rather than our God who is invisible. As we think about John the Baptist, he was a great man of God. You know, John the Baptist was confronted with this enemy called sight. And he was trapped in the prison cell of King Herod now. He was not by the Jordan River baptizing. He was not seeing many multitudes of people come and follow him. He was not in prison because he told King Herod, hey, you cannot have that wife. That's your brother's wife. From those words, he was put in prison. And as he was stuck in that prison, as he saw the bars of steel, as he was living with rats, maybe, in a dark dungeon, In Bible time, as he was there, he was confronted with this nemesis called sight. Now, this is John the Baptist. This is the one who cried out, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. This is John the Baptist, the one who baptized our lovely Lord. Who saw the the Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove upon the Son of God. Now he was sitting in a gloomy and dirty prison dungeon and, 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 and having faith in God was shaken and, and became a little blurry because he was seeing what he was seeing. What he was, uh, seeing. So Christ helps John with his words of assurance so that he may be strong in faith again. Now he, John the Baptist not, did not live a very long life. Now according to the scripture, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, they only had like six months age difference. And uh, he was around the same age as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died at the age of 33 and a half. Uh, Maybe John the Baptist died at the age of 32 or 33. He died as a very young man. He was a young preacher. He was a young prophet. 
I am 34. He was around my age. And as he was about to close his uh, 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 chapter in life and be ascended to heaven, and by the way, what a terrible way to die for him to be bargained with, for him to be dealed with in the sense that uh, uh, King Herod saw a beautiful dance, and it cost him his life. They chopped off his head, put him in a charger, put him in a plate, and showed it to King Herod. Oh, you think your life is not fair. <laughs> yeah. The greatest, one of the greatest prophets, according to Jesus, he was, the great, he was the greatest prophet, born of a woman. He died because of a dance. He got his head chopped off because Herod liked to dance. You know, living for God is not easy in this world. Living by faith is not easy. And John the Baptist, as much as he was a great, wonderful, strong man of God, he faced difficulty, too. We see a little glimpse of that in Matthew chapter 11. Now, let's share with you how Jesus Christ assures John at the end of his life. Let me tell you, John. So I'd like to share with you three stages of John the Baptist's testimony in Christ's assurance of John. Number one, John the Baptist, he had his own doubt. He had his own doubt. Look at verse 2 and 3. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ... He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, this is very interesting. First of all, this is John the Baptist. He was the one that said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I mean, uh, the Pharisees and the Jews came. Are you the Messiah? He said, are you the Elijah? And he says, no, no, no. I want you to know that there is one that comes that is greater than me. A person that I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. And, and uh, uh, as we think about his testimony, we see that he directly, clearly told the Jews and told the Israelites, hey, there is a son of God that would take, the, take away the sins of the world. He was very clear. There's only one Savior. There's only one Lord. There's only one Son of God. And His name is Jesus Christ. He pointed to Jesus. He was very sure about who He pointed to. Who He claimed was Jesus Christ. But now here in the prison cell, He says, Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Wow. What happened to John? Now, another shocking testimony of John is this. Look what it says. Now, when John had what? Heard. Imprisoned the what? The works of Christ. He heard that Jesus Christ was healing people. Jesus Christ was performing miracles. Probably Jesus Christ was forgiving sins. He heard the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he heard the works of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would think that he would have more faith. But what happened? He had less faith. Are you that he should come, or do we look for another? 
This is amazing. We would think that by hearing what Christ did would have John the Baptist leaping for joy and have the full assurance of faith, but in the opposite, he hears the news, he doubts. He asks, are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Strange thing, isn't it? But it is, also tr- it is also true with our lives today. Even though we hear God's word, we doubt. We hear it on Sunday morning. We hear it on Sunday night. We hear it on Wednesday night. We hear it as we have our devotions. We walk away, but we scratch our head. We doubt. Just like John. I wonder if that's true, we think. I wonder if this really legit, this promises that God is claiming. I wonder if I'm really believing what I'm supposed to believe. You walk away like that. Even though you hear the works of God, you hear the great miracles of God, according to Scripture, what God has done in the past and what God has promised in the future, we shake our, uh, we shake our heads thinking, I wonder if this is possible. And we doubt the Lord and we do the same thing like John the Baptist. You see, when we doubt, it's our fault, not our circumstances, not our trials, and most importantly, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. We doubt. We doubt. We should think of the Israelites in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, down down to 19. It says, But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter him because of what? Unbelief. So the first generation of the Israelites, as they were dwelling in the wilderness, they could not enter into the promised land because they doubted. The ten spies said, oh no, they're like giants. We're like grasshoppers. We can't go there and, and, and influence the whole camp. And, and everyone doubted. And they had unbelief. And so those people couldn't go. Only two people was able to go. That was Joshua and Caleb from that first generation. All those people perished in the wilderness, in the desert, never saw the promised land, never saw the land of milk and honey, never saw the great conqueror uh, 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 and the victory that God will give them because they had unbelief. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1, next screen. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to be short of it. For unto you was the gospel preached as well unto them. The good news. I'm not talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe it's relating to the good news, just the good news. Because they heard the good news. Hey, you could go to the promised land. You could conquer there. God will be with you. But they doubted. Now you have the good news. You could receive Christ as your personal Savior. You could be saved. You could enter into his rest. The same kind of good news. That's what the writer's saying. And but the word preach. Did not profit them. Let's say the last phrase together. Ready? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So what was the problem? Was it the word of God that was the problem? No. It was the Israelites. They heard the word, but the faith did not mix with it. So it did not what? Profit. It did not profit. You see, the Word of God is always true. The Word of God is always right. The Word of God is always present. But what's the problem? The problem is with us. We don't have faith. The Word of God not being mixed with faith does not profit. It doesn't do anything. It's just a book. 
This doesn't do anything for you if you don't have faith in it. It's just a paper bundled together. It doesn't profit you in your life. Now, we know that it's the Word of God. But in order to have the Word of God profit in your life and change your life, do something in your life, you've got to have faith in it. You've got to mix the Word of God with faith so that God may do something. Because without God, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, God wants to reward us. God wants to bless us. God wants to change our lives. But he can if your faith is not mixed in the word of God. It's a simple formula. It's a simple equation. But we have that struggle. Why? Because we doubt. You know, many people in the Bible doubt it too. We talked about Elijah a couple of weeks ago. He doubted. I'm the only one left. God had to assure him. We think about Sarah in the scripture. Sarah even laughed at God. And Sarah said, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did laugh. I love that conversation. You know? I think that's the only kind of argument that God has to kind of reveal to us in the scripture. You know? Don't you dare lie to me. <laughs> And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, you know, sometimes we scorn and we laugh in our hearts. Oh, that's not possible. It can't be that. That's ridiculous. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? We are the problem, not God. John, that was John's problem. Jesus Christ was doing his work. He did it perfectly. He did it well. But John was having a struggle. He heard it, but he didn't believe it. So he had to send his disciples, are you the one that, that should come, or do we look for another? And... Uh, so recognize that we will have some doubts, but get out of that doubt by recognizing how Jesus Christ assures us. Secondly, Christ's repetition of assurance, repetition of assurance. Look at verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto him, go and show John, what's the next word there? Again. Now, again, those things which ye do hear and see. Now, so how does God respond to John's question? Tell him the same thing. Just tell them the same thing. Christ tells the disciples and tells John, go and show John again. Notice Christ didn't visit John in the prison. I'm sure he could have. Okay. To, you know, strengthen his faith, to, you know, encourage him just face to face. John, let me encourage you. I'm visiting you. He could have done that. I'm sure he could have. Christ could have set John free out of prison. I mean, that was possible. I mean, believe that. Okay? He could have done that. He got Peter out of prison. All right? So he could have done this. Now, notice Christ did not perform a great miracle or show himself 
like in the Mount Transfiguration to John the Baptist, hey, I am the one that you, you are waiting for. I, you don't need to seek for another. He could have done that. He showed it to the disciples. But Jesus says, just tell him again. <laughs> just say it again. You know, God has no problem repeating himself. But we have a problem with repetition. You know, uh, we get a little frustrated. Ah, I heard that before. I need something new. Now I'm going through the struggle. Oh, I know the Bible says I never, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, you know, I know God uh, uh, promised me that, uh, uh, that uh, 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 he loved me with the everlasting love. And you go through some insecurity and you, and, and you know those scriptures. But you're thinking, I need something more, Lord. But sometimes God says, could you read that again? Can I share that with you again? Could you believe it before you just kind of let it go? You know, Jesus told John, The same thing again. You know, God commands many people in the scripture the same way. God commanded Jonah again in Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying. And Paul wrote the same things to the church of Philippi. Philippi chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is saved. John reminds the Christians of the old commandment again in 1 John 2, 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. So we see the writers here, like John, like Paul, and even Jonah, we see that God uh, wants to use repetition to encourage a Christian in faith. And ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to think about the commandments and the promises that we know today already and have faith in them before we start seeking for a new one. And God is not going to give us anything new until we have faith in the old and what we already know. And thank God our God is very patient with us and we struggle to have faith. Now in this repetition, Christ reminds John two side notes of encouragement and warning. Number one, the encouragement is that Christ does everything perfectly. It's in verse 5, the blind receive their sight and lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached in them. So he hears the works of Christ again. Christ is referring to the Old Testament prophecy in the Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. Christ was assuring John, I'm doing exactly what I said I will do and fulfilling it. How we need to be reminded the same way. Let's not doubt God's perfection. And God does everything perfectly and in order. And you might have been surprised of what you had to face with today or maybe even yesterday and what you went through even this week and I didn't know that was going to happen and you might have gone through some trials already this year 2016 and you might have thought I didn't know that was going to happen but God does everything in order God does everything perfectly and ladies and gentlemen we got to have faith in knowing that he does everything well in our lives all things work together for good to them that love God believe in that my friend And John the Baptist had to consider what Christ was doing and what Christ had promised and how he was fulfilling it. I think about James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, every good gift and perfect gift is from above. 
And God says, I never change. And uh, there is no shadow of turning. You know, trust in a perfect God, his perfect promise, his perfect purpose, his perfect gifts, his perfect plan. He does everything perfectly. Secondly, the warning, Christ takes it personally. Verse 6, and he blessed is he, whosoever shall not be what? Offended in me. Christ warns John, blessed is he who will not be offended in me, meaning someone who will be found, Christ to be a stumbling block rather than a stepping stone. It's an offense. For Christ, this this was very personal. It was very personal to God. It was very personal to our Savior. You see, faith draws our fellowship closer to God. Unbelief and doubt gets us to stumble and find our God to be offensive rather than edification. Could you remember a time in your life when someone said to you, you know, I don't trust you anymore. Were you leaping for joy? Yay, you don't trust me anymore. That's great. No, I think you were hurt. A wife says to the husband, I don't trust you anymore. That hurts. Friends in church say, I don't trust you anymore. That hurts. You see, believing in someone, trusting someone is very personal. Now, God calls it a substance, but as we think about the scripture, it's very clear over and over again. This is a personal bond personal substance that connects our lives together with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we doubt him, he takes it very personally. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. Why are you ashamed of me? Why are you embarrassed about what I said, what I promised you? Why are you treating me like a stumbling block? That's what offense means in that scripture. You're tripping over Jesus Christ. Rather than having a stepping stone. You know, the Pharisees saw Jesus Christ and they treated him as a stumbling block. It was a great offense toward them. Hated Christ. Rejected him. Rejected him. Sometimes that's what we do with, with Christ when we don't have faith. We reject our Savior. You see, it's a very personal matter to our God. And uh, I think about my kids, and, uh, you know, just by Annabelle, she kind of, you know, when, when I tell her something, she, you know, she's good with it, you know. Okay, I, I get it. But Josiah needs repetition, amen. And uh, I just tell him over and over again, you got you to gotta do this, you got to do that. And then sometimes he asks me, can I do this, can I do that? And I said, yeah, you could do it. But then he asked me again, can I do it? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I have this? I said, yeah, you could have it. And but he asked me again, can I have it? Yes, you can have it. Why don't you believe me? <laughs> you know. And it says this is very cute at home, but for me, it's like, why don't you trust your dad? It's a very personal thing. And that's the same thing with God the Father. He takes it very personally when we don't trust him. And ladies and gentlemen, God uses repetition. Just to assure us one more time. Hey, what I've said before is true. Don't get offended in me. And 
realize what I'm doing is perfect. Trust me in this. Trust me in this. I know you heard it before, but trust me again, would you? Trust me again. Jesus Christ told the same words to John. He didn't have to do anything else. He just says, let's say the same thing again. Let's say it again. Have them believe. Number three, John the Baptist, Christ's supporting grace. Verse 7, as they departed, departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What we out to the wilderness to see? A reshaken with the wind. But what we out to, uh, for, uh, for it to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, that they wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Now, of course, he's not talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist wore what? Camel's hair clothes. He ate what? Grasshopper. Okay. And uh, he had honey drooling on the, on the left side and a grasshopper on the right side of his mouth. And uh, he was a man's man, okay? Verse 9, but what may I for to see? A prophet, yea, I said to you, more than a prophet. You know, though the John the Baptist doubted, Christ affirms to his disciples that John the Baptist was a great prophet. You know, isn't God gracious and patient? Isn't God wonderful? John the Baptist could have been just discarded to the side. As disciples heard of what John the Baptist asked, and what Jesus Christ had to repeat. But Jesus Christ said, hey, hold on for a second. After maybe John the Baptist's disciples, they left. Hold on for a second. Let me tell you about this man. Let me tell you a man, a great prophet born of a woman. Greatest prophet born of a woman. And uh, he supports John the Baptist, even though he doubted, even though he had insecurity. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a great intercessor today. You know, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. Yeah, the devil accuses us day and night. He's probably saying to God Almighty today, oh, look at that, Jimmy. He has so many imperfections. Look at your disciple. Look at your, you know, child. But I thank God Jesus Christ says, no, I paid it all. (laughs) It's okay. My blood is on him. I've forgiven him. Also, he said, no, I'm working on him. Don't worry about it. My grace is sufficient for Jimmy. You know, that's the same thing God has told you. Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you. And he's not done with you yet. If he was, you would be in heaven. Okay? He's not done with you yet. You might have made some mistakes along this path that God has given you, but you could fix it again. You could have faith again. And God will support you. God will be gracious. God will say, hey, let me tell you. This Christian, even though he did some, you know, uh, doubtful things in his life, some mistakes in his life, or her life, hey, this person, my grace is still sufficient for him or her. I'm still working on them. And my testimony, my glory is shining in. And that's what he did with John the Baptist. You know, God never discards you. God never discards me. He has started a perfect, he has begun a perfect work in you. And he will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, God is supporting you. God wants to be gracious to you. So have faith. Don't doubt. Have faith. Walk with God. Every single day 
until you see him face to face. You know, I love the scripture in Revelation. I just read Revelation through my devotion. Toward the last chapter, last chapter, I believe, the Bible says that we shall see his face. You know, Moses couldn't see his face. None of us can see his face. But the Bible says, finally in heaven, we shall see his face. And his name will be on our foreheads. And what a wonderful scripture. That our faith will end in sight. And what we have gone through this life in faith, we will say it was worth it all. To see the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ. To see the face of our God. And to give glory to him. Because he did everything perfectly. And he was gracious. And he was loving. And ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if you are walking by faith today. Do you live by faith? By the way, you don't know when you're going to go to heaven. You don't know when you're going to die. You can't say, I'm going to live by faith in two years. I'm going to live by faith tomorrow. No, live by faith today. Live by faith today. 